And I start asking, where is my money? I actually now want to see proof of you investing it. When I asked to actually see the proof of it being invested, in actual fact, Andrew, there was no investments. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by HDOTS Academy, which offers online courses to help investors better manage their stock portfolios, aspiring professionals to learn to value any company in the world, business leaders to make their companies financially world-class, and even beginners to implement a simple lifetime investment plan. Go to my worst investment ever.com to get free access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win, where I share the six lessons I've learned from all of these podcast interviews. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest Tosin Olise Inde. Tosin, are you ready to rock? Yes, I am ready to rock. Let's go. I know you are. And I know because I see you rocking it every day on Instagram video. So I've been trying to get you on the show and I'm so happy to have you. And let me introduce you to the audience. Tosin is a professional accountant with over 10 years of experience spanning across accounting, audit, financial management, and taxation. She is the founder and CEO of Money Africa, an edtech platform that enhances financial literacy and investments leveraging on technology. Tosin is a Washington Mandela Fellow. She was a finalist at the Future Awards in 2019. She was selected as one of the top 100 women by the leading Ladies Africa. She was awarded one of the top eight traders by CNBC Africa in 2012 and is a member of the Golden Key International Honor Society. Tosin has spoken at TEDx and is featured on BBC UK, Al Jazeera's Guardian, as well as others. And of course, you can hear her and see her every day on Money Africa on Instagram. But Tosin, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. <laughs> so Money Africa started as a passion project. We just wanted to teach people about about money. I got my first degree at the age of 20. And even though I was an accountant, I struggled with my money. I was living from hand to mouth. So I wanted to change that for other people so they didn't have to make the same mistakes I did. So after learning about money, right, and they started teaching these in Nigerian speak. So we wanted to speak to our Nigerian market using the same language, using the same examples, things that they can relate to. And that's what we did. So we have over 4,000 subscribers on our paid platform, and we've reached over 100,000 people online and offline. I'm really excited about it. That is exciting. I'm curious, when you started it, you probably had some vision, but in reality, things went a different direction, but were successful. I'm curious, what did you think you were going to be doing with it versus what you are doing? Or, or was it straight on target? To be very honest, it wasn't really just a hobby. So I just opened an Instagram page and I just wanted to share my lessons with people, right? I just turned 30 and I was like, gosh, you know, I made so much, so many mistakes you know, when I was much younger. I just wanted to teach people. And I just started posting and like wildfire, 
1,000 followers. Then we saw 5,000 followers. Then we saw 10,000 followers. Then, then Instagram had only one minute videos. You couldn't do more than that, right? So they were like, oh, Tosu, we want more. We want more. And then we started doing, oh, let's go on. Let's have courses, webinars, you know, let's have physical classes. So in all honesty, I did not see it grow this way. It really just happened. The markets responded positively. And then we were responding to them as well and just kept creating products for them. You know, I, I can totally picture that because, I mean, here I am in little old Bangkok and I really know nothing about Nigeria and certainly about the Nigeria market, although I'm learning a lot these days, as I was talking about with you before. But, but what I can say is that when I saw you on the video, it just, you know, it makes you just want to stand up and cheer because, you know, you bring so much energy, so much passion to what you're doing. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just talking about bank earnings, but, you know, you still bring that energy and passion to it. And so I always try to make a comment like, whoa, yes, awesome. <laughs> so I can imagine that it's growing because I think you do have a lot of passion and I think you, you share that with the audience. So that's also one of the reasons yes. why I wanted to get you on the show to share some of that passion with my audience. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, well... So let's get started. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Oh, fantastic. So this was in 2017. And at this time of the year, right, the Bitcoin was gaining so much momentum. At the beginning of the year, it was like $2,000. And it was $3,000 and it kept growing. Now, remember, I'm a straight accountant. I only, I, I know about basic things and I, I know the stock market and all this other thing, but Bitcoin just sounded very futuristic. It sounded very abstract. I just didn't understand it. Now I had a friend and he always tells me about his win. Oh, I made so much money. This, I did that, I did that. I wanted a piece of the pie, right? So what I was accustomed to are your mutual funds, your stocks. I didn't know about Bitcoin, I didn't understand it. So I was leaning on my friend's knowledge, right? He kept telling me about all his wins. And then in the midst of it all, it went from 2000 to 5,000. I remember when it hit $10,000, I said, I can't wait anymore. I need to get in. So I reached out to him and I said, listen, I want into some of this pie. And it was like, definitely, that's not a problem. We can get you in. Now, at this point, I think the Bitcoin now was about $13,000 whereabout. So I handed over a large sum of money, Andrew, a huge sum of money to this person to help me invest because I thought Bitcoin was so futuristic. I didn't understand it. I wouldn't know how to navigate it. And I needed to actually speak to this person that actually knows how to go about it. And you do not want to know what happened afterwards. You do not want to understand. So now he set up this platform and he has told me that he has put my money into it. So I started stalking the numbers on a daily basis. Oh my gosh, it's now 13.5. I was so happy that I'm also making so much money. I was so excited. I'd be chatting him up on WhatsApp and giving him updates that the market is now doing well. You know, the investment is growing and all of that. You know, so, so, so excited about this investment. The next year came, this was now in January 2018, right? Unfortunately, the market was tired of the rise. Mm. And although it almost kissed $20,000, that is the Bitcoin, it started to work deep. And at this point, I was thinking about an exit. 
So that way I can take some profit. It sort of makes, makes sense. sense. I was using my knowledge from the stock market, yep. buy low, sell high, that it's time to actually exit, you know, and take some profit. So I reached out to my friend and I said, listen, I'm ready to sell. And he said, sell what? And I'm ready to sell my Bitcoin. And he said, no, when you wanted to invest, you wanted a horizon of one year. I said, yes, but things change. People change their mind. People can choose to exit. If I wanted to exit from the stock market and I changed my mind, there's a possibility to exit. And guess what? It started becoming stories and stories. Mm. So I'd send messages and I'll get no response and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait. So at this point, I started asking myself, what's going on? What am I going to get my money back? I plan to invest on it and I know that to make some profit. And where is the profit? I can't see the profit. And I said, asking, where is my money? I actually now want to see proof of you investing it. When I asked to actually see the proof of it being invested, in actual fact, Andrew, there was no investment. I made the biggest mistake ever oh by not God. owning my assets. I literally trusted someone else to own my asset on my behalf because I thought I did not have the knowledge to actually invest in it myself. Mm. Oh. And how did you feel? What was the day or the moment when you just realized it was gone? It wasn't real. When he stopped responding and it was like two weeks nonstop. And I reached out to mutual friends like, you know, listen, this is what this person is doing. And, you know, they just did not have any answer for me. I'd done my due diligence. You know, I know this person very well. The person knows me. I couldn't believe it that they would actually, you know, just go away with my money. It was shock. It was disappointment. It was lack of trust. It was it was also a lot of, I was also very angry with myself mm. that I should have known better, right? Like, why did I trust them with this? I understand the power of actually owning your asset. I don't own it. So even if I were to go to the courts, like it wasn't, I didn't own the asset itself, right? So it was literally just a transfer. So yeah, Andrew was very painful. I was very angry. And, uh, lots of emotion, actually. Lots of, lots. Of, there was so much anger. I remember also being so angry, having to report to mutual friends, right? Having to put myself in that light. And the truth is nobody loves to be cheated. Nobody loves to make mistakes. So it makes you look stupid. It makes you look feel foolish. I felt really foolish that, you know, in something that I understood so well, how investment work, how did I make this colossal mistake? So it was very mm. painful and very, very... Actually, as I'm telling this story now, it's actually very painful that I yeah. actually... I'm, know, sure. Made that I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So tell us what lessons did you learn? Yeah, I learned a lot of lessons. And number one lesson is financial literacy is very important. And we always say financial literacy is great. However, when it comes to certain sectors, we feel, oh, you know, maybe it's very technology driven and, you know, it's for traders and things like that. But the truth is the concept is the same field. Right. So whether you're investing in a savings account, you're investing in shares, you're investing in Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, the knowledge still is, has to be the same. You have to understand, number one, how it works and number two, how to access it. So it was number one, the fact that I did not, I thought it was very complicated. I thought it was very technical. Right. I overestimated the difficulty of actually getting into it. And in retrospect, mm. all I needed to do was just to download an app and do it myself right so i overestimated the intricacies right that was yep. my, my number one biggest problem number two 
was that I did not have ownership of the asset. When you do not own the asset, you cannot control the resources. So I outsourced the ownership to other people. So always document it. If you can get your lawyers to sign it, you know, because if I don't own the asset, what's the purpose? I might as well be pouring water into an empty basket. So mm. that was what happened. I did not have ownership of it, right? I outsourced the ownership, but I couldn't have proof of, you know, ownership. Then the third one, was the trust. I trusted the wrong people, yep. right? So even if it was a bad contract, if you did, if you do it, if you if you have a bad contract but you do it with a good person, right? It's possible for that for it to actually follow through. So the trust, right? I trusted the wrong person and then they, they disappointed me, right? So mm. next time try and build in procedures, you know, at the end of the day, people are fickle. So always have procedures to actually be able to support yourself should the case they go fickle. Yeah, I trusted the wrong person. Well, well, let me summarize what I took away from your story and then let me know if I missed anything. The first thing that I want to highlight is what you said right at the beginning, which is you had a friend that talked about his winners. And as yes. I always teach, you know, people love to talk about their winners. I mean, you'd think that everybody's a multimillionaire if you just listen to everybody talking about their investments. The fact is, is people do not talk about their overall portfolio or about the stocks that went wrong or the investments that went wrong. And so it's no wonder that so many people go into the stock market thinking that they're going to get rich. So that's the first thing. But I think that, you know, I'm going to go through the six common mistakes that I've found people make. And we're going to just kind of go through the checklist and see how you did. So the first most common mistake is people fail to do their research. And I'd say in this case, you probably yes. failed to do your research. The second one is they failed to yes. properly, properly assess and then manage risk. Now, really, I would say your big mistake, as you've already mentioned, is that any time for anybody out there who's investing, never put your money in under someone else's name or into someone else's account. Any yes. investment must be sure. in your name. Now, that's even if you're investing in a mutual fund company, you're going to be putting your money into their bank account. And then they're going to be, you know, they'll have your name represented there, but that's a, also a licensed entity. Yes. So generally stay focused on licensed entities and licensed people. If you can, sometimes you can't, but the main thing is never hand over your assets. The minute you hand over your assets to someone else and it's not in your name, you can just consider it gone and you'll be lucky if sure. it was a trustworthy person and it came you back. It sure. Number three, Driven by emotion or flawed thinking? Well, you know, here we have two parts, emotion. Yeah, definitely you were sucked in by the excitement of watching it go up. I mean, you're, it was a frenzy. Yes. It was a frenzy. It was an exciting yeah. moment. And the second one is flawed thinking. You also, in this case, you missed the point that you could have just done it yourself. Absolutely. And so, you, Absolutely. as you said, you've over, you overestimated how difficult it was. And then, but you know, sometimes you're busy and you got a lot of other things and this person knows it. I mean, why do I need to spend all this time? But ladies and gentlemen, if it's your money and you've worked hard for it, take time to get it right. Now, number four is the most fourth, most common mistake that I've found is misplaced trust. And here we have that, right? And it's hard, you know, because the person in this case was someone that was connected with people that you knew, you know, you felt comfortable with it, you know, and all that. But in fact, ultimately, he wasn't to be trusted. 
And number five is fail to monitor their investment. And it's not so much of a problem in this case, but there is one aspect of it that's important. When you put your money in a bank or an account or an asset management account or something like that, generally what they do is they mail you an account statement every month. And the purpose of that is also to detect fraud within that organization. If for some reason you don't receive your monthly statement, it could mean something's being intercepted in some way or another. So there's this idea of monitoring on a regular basis. But the good news is you didn't make mistake number six, invested in a startup company. (laughs) (laughs) You've done that part really well. So so there's a lot of different things that I think that this brings to light. But let's now... Is there anything you'd add to what I said? I think you've covered it all in terms of basically ownership, understanding it, not overestimating the difficulties of going into it. And I think I'm very happy that a lot of people, you know, you said something quite interesting. You said a lot of people talk about their wins, right? Not a lot of people talk about their loss. So before I came on the show today, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you're a financial literacy expert, you know, is it okay for you to talk about this? But if we do not share the stories, then people wouldn't realize that, you know, these are some mistakes and we shouldn't be making them. And another thing is that many times people think, oh, I'm too intelligent to ever make this mistake. And it can actually happen to anyone. So that's why we have to be very aware, lots of awareness, lots of checking the tick boxes, like, have I covered this? Have I covered that? You know, and, you know, just always constantly checking it to be able to ensure that you're covering all your base. You know, one of the things that's, you know, fascinating about this show is I get so many rejections when I ask some prominent people to come on the show. One guy just rejected me today and he says, great, great idea. Not my style. And I thought, yeah, that guy's style probably is talking about his winners. And the other yes. thing that I highlight is, you know, since I was involved with CFA and have a CFA uh, charter, I've, I've had a lot of friends that were in CFA, they were presidents of CFA societies and others, and they've shared the mistakes that they've made. And they've said, you know, I've never really told anybody this. And I felt ashamed of the fact that I made this mistake when I'm a prominent person in the, in the field. So my hat's off to you and to the others on the show that have taken the time. And I, I would argue that, you know, for the listeners out there, if you want to get advice, if you want to learn, if you want to get better in the world of investing, listen to Tosin, because she's a person <laughs> that is willing to look at her mistakes and evaluate them. So that's, that's my, uh, my little advice. So <laughs> based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Number one, education is very critical. Number two, find out all you need to know about it. It's like very, very important. Number three, ask other trusted parties. There might just be people that have insights that you're not aware of. So don't be ashamed. I think we need to get off this fact that we need to know everything or this whole, many people still find investing as a very secretive conversation. I remember when I went out to dinner once with friends, people were talking about how much they earn and how they invested. A lot of people cringed, especially in developing economies and especially as women, we've been raised to always see it as a very, not something you say out in the public, you know, it's just money, you know, it's very hush hush, like a kind of a silence kind of thing. So we need to stop that. If you don't talk about those things, you wouldn't understand it better. You wouldn't have access to people that have better knowledge about it. So be very comfortable to have the money conversations and it's okay if you've made mistakes, talk about it, how can you get better? And you have to be very deliberate of getting yourself back on the right track. So guys, no shame, no silence. It's your money. You have every right to know where it goes and how it works. 
Great advice. And uh, one last thing for the audience out there. You know, I've, I've given a scholarship to a large number of women for the Women Evaluation Scholarship, and many of them also came from Tosin and her relationships in Nigeria. And I just want to give a shout out to the, the large number of women in my evaluation masterclass and in the Women Evaluation from Nigeria. So let's give three cheers to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Growth, growth, and lots and lots of growth. We want to grow our numbers. We want to subscribe more people. We want to reach the ends of Nigeria and everywhere in Africa just talking about financial literacy. That is our priority for the next 12 months. Beautiful, beautiful. I can't wait to talk in 12 months and see how it's going. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com to get free access to my short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. As we conclude, Tosin, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment <laughs> ever thank you. into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Guys, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop putting in the effort. I know we always talk about investment and money, but at the end of the day, it's actually living a fulfilling and purposeful life. And both of them can actually happen together. Thank you so much for having me here. We appreciate it. And you're a great example of the combination of a purposeful life and successful investing. So that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.